Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and today's episode is going to be a special one because it's a tribute to my friend and mentor, Coach Glenn Penley. Now, if you're unaware, Coach Penley passed away on September 5th, 2019, and we've just gone by the anniversary of his passing, and I honestly can't believe that we've arrived at it again and that it's been a few years now. And in thinking more about it, the years are just going to continue to go by without Coach Penley in our corner. And I think that's why it's important to keep his legacy alive, to keep reminding people of the knowledge that he had to share and how genuine and wonderful of a person he was when he was with us. So that's what I'm hoping to do with today's episode. It is a snippet of one of the book meetings that I had with him when we were working together on his forthcoming book, American Weightlifting. I have countless hours of recordings of the two of us talking a lot about weightlifting and also a lot not about weightlifting. And I won't be posting the not about weightlifting stuff when we're talking about movies or animals or sports or politics or things like that. Uh, But I will be posting snippets like this where we discuss technique, programming, working with athletes, thoughts and philosophies on coaching. And I can tell you a lot of it made it into his book. And then there's also a lot of stuff that didn't make it into his book because from the time we went from recording that specific meeting to actually working on that section in the book, uh, he had changed his mind. And that's a sign of a great coach, someone who's continuing to evolve their craft. And even though Coach Glenn Penley was involved in weightlifting and powerlifting and strength sports and everything else for over 25 years, he was still developing his craft. It still wasn't good enough. And that's something I admire a lot about him and what I try to do in my own craft is just to continue to evolve and grow. So when you do eventually read the book, which a little update on the book, uh, we are almost done with the typesetting phase. That's where the publishers and editors lay out the book, they put everything in columns, they make everything uniform, they make it sized and fitted to the pages so that it can be cut and printed. Uh, All of the photos are inserted in their perfect order. Uh, So we are in that phase and really we are in the review section of that phase where we have to go through line by line to make sure everything uh, uh, came through, nothing got cut out When you went to put it in a box or inserted a photo, nothing is being covered by a random photo here and you're not going to be able to read some of the text. So there's a lot of fine little details at this spot. But once we're past it here within the next week or two, uh, it'll be print time. And I'm really excited to get this book out there so that people can have it in their hands. I know people have been waiting quite some time for it. Uh, This is a very tedious, time-consuming process, especially when it comes down to the fact that I was working on a lot of it alone after he passed. So I had to do a lot of due diligence to make sure that everything was 100% as Glenn would have wanted it. And also going through the entire editing process by myself and also now this typesetting process, it's just very time consuming, I can tell you that. From uh, publishing two other books, it just it's seemingly never ending, but I'm glad it's about to end and that this book will be out there in the world. This is the definitive works of Coach Glenn Penley. These are his exact thoughts on topics, how he felt about programming, uh, all of his thoughts and insights on 
athletes that he's worked with, such as John North, Donnie Shankle, Travis Cooper, uh, Caleb Ward, Jared Fleming, you name it, all of those athletes from the Cal Strength and Muscle Driver days and also other days uh, are in there. A lot of unique stories that I haven't seen anywhere else. So I'm just very excited to get that out there to everyone. It's going to be a great resource for beginners, intermediates, advances, uh, athletes, and even just people who just enjoy weightlifting as a whole, just to put it on your bookshelf. So that's the update on the book. Uh, in this audio clip, uh, this was not an interview. This was not a podcast or anything like that. Th what we used to do is I would set my phone on top of my laptop and uh, he would speak and I had an app on my computer where I could record what we were saying back and forth. Uh, and this is before Zoom you know, was a big thing or anything like that. So the audio quality on Glenn's end is going to sound like someone talking through a speakerphone. Uh, and it's it's not difficult to hear, although sometimes you know there are little points where it cuts in and out. And you'll notice some long pauses. And that's really just because Glenn was taking his time in gathering his thoughts and talking. So he may say something. And then there is like a second or two pause, and then he'll continue as he's gathering his thoughts. And I know sometimes on a podcast or something like that, those pauses feel like forever. And they felt like forever for me when I was re-listening. But then when I looked at the time, I'm like, well, actually, that's no time at all. So this is a one, two second pause. It's just uh, in today's lifestyle, we all want things right now, right now, right now. And Glenn was just taking his time in talking about weightlifting, and I was happy to, to abide by that and, and oblige. So you can expect that. The, it's not an interview, so uh, I'm not leading any kind of like series of questions either. Uh, I do have questions that pop in and out. This talk was done over five years ago, so I was also in a different stage of my coaching and weightlifting uh, as, as well. Uh, some of the things that we talk about, we talk about uh, mainly the snatch. So we spent so much time talking about the snatch. Uh, the learning to lift chapters in Glenn's book are some of his favorite chapters. That's like the, the crown jewel right there, those chapters on when he discusses his three-step method of teaching and learning the lifts. So we spent countless hours, I have so many other videos of or, or audio clips, talking about the snatch. In this specific one, we talk about things like positions, we talk about bar speed, we talk about common faults that we see in lifters, and we also talk about the double knee bend and how some lifters are good at using a stretch reflex when they lift and get the bar past the knees, while other lifters don't do that, they're just brutally strong. And we talk about that a lot in the book on how there's differences in lifters and some lifters are good at using their natural anatomy and physiology and using stretch reflexes, and they're just freak athletes. And then there's other athletes and lifters who are just crazy strong, and that's how they're able to accomplish the same thing uh, in terms of doing a snatch or clean and jerk. So I'll leave you with that. I hope you enjoy. Uh, my goal is to put another one of these out next week, and I'm going to put them out once every week. I don't know what I'm going to do with the, the rest of the show at the moment. There's just been a lot going on in my life. Uh, I may start doing other shows, uh, interviews again, I don't know, and put them out in between these. 
But my bare minimum goal is to get these Glenn Penley audio clips out. And that way, um, it'll be a nice lead up to the book and hopefully spark up a little interest as well. And I will say too, uh, you will notice that there are some transitions in this audio. And that's because uh, I took out everything that was happening in between. So we may have been talking about the snatch for 15 minutes. And then there might have been uh, an audio error or a phone call dropped or maybe the conversation just switched to something completely different and we were talking about food, you know, because uh, Glenn loved to talk about food. And then we got back to talking about the snatch. So that's why you're going to notice that this episode is kind of in two segments. Uh, we have part one and part two and there's a transition sound in between them. And that just denotes that we're moving to a different point in the conversation, even though it's still the same topic. So with that said, enjoy. Glenn, I miss you every day, and I hope you're looking down fondly on everybody lifting as heavy as possible. The first thing is the snatch of uh, most of all, of all of the three of our lifts. I think the snatch is probably the one that this is most important in. You make sure the bar never slows down. So, you don't want it to lift slow, but yet, what most people do is they start off the floor too fast, then they are forced to slow down to keep technically correct. Okay, so you can't, a lot of people start on the floor so fast, that if it kept on getting faster and faster, they will rush right through the into the second pole, and it'll, it'll be over. That they don't have time to do it correctly. So the double knee bend, all that, just gets axed out because they're moving too fast. So you have to move slow enough off the floor that you can add speed to the knee through the scoop and the course on the second pole. Mark should be speeding up the whole time. And that's very important on the snatch. I just want to emphasize that a lot because I think that's very important. I, I, no, I don't remember specifically reading the term scoop. Is that one that you typically use? or? Right now, it it makes reference to double knee bends, 
So I'm wondering if when describing what happens at that point, maybe just change up the terminology a little bit to the scoop and mention that the scoop is a way of describing the double let move me, end. Let me, let me describe what I'm talking about to you so you can kind of fit it in there. Okay. What do you mean flex the knee? Bends the knee. Oh. So, what you want to do is flex the knee slightly as the knee moves under the bar and not move the hips forward. Which that's probably a good thing to go have in there because I feel like if I do the whole book without talking about how you do that, um, that probably wouldn't be good. Idea is to bend the knee without moving the hips forward. So a lot of people, when they when they try to attempt to do the double knee bend, is simply moving the knee and hip. It's possible to move the knee forward without hip forward. So a lot of people move the hips forward when they're trying to do the double knee bend. Do you, so along with this, do you teach um, bar contact? So you, you scoop and bring the bar 
into the hip? Yes. I think that having bar contact is not important for its own sake. But you want the hip, the bar to be as close as possible to the hip. As close as possible. I mean, you don't want to be a half inch away, a quarter inch away. You want the, the bar to be pushing into the hip. Definitely. In fact, um, when Travis does it, which I think he's probably the best at doing this, I've probably ever coached. When he does it, and I think this is important to, to mention, um, can't remember who I ever actually said this in the, first, in the book the first time. When he does it, when the hip moves up, when you're doing the second pull, you're actually pushing the bar up as, as, the, as you extend your pull. So the bar is so in such hard contact with the body that you, as you extend, you're actually pushing the bar up. No, I, I, I believe I believe I, I get sure it. I'm saying it right. he, he, you, he keeps driving his hips into the bar as opposed to touching and going under early. Is it a timing thing? Yeah. 
because if you if you punch or, or hit straight into the bar, it'll bounce forward. Yes. Yes. That's, a, I think, the best way to describe the feeling is that you're uppercutting the bar. So the hips are coming, coming from below the bar and banging it up, banging it up. I don't think you should probably say banging it up in the, in the book, but they're uppercutting it so that the, the momentum, the force, is definitely on a upward Okay. So the second knee bend, the double, the, the, the knee bend happens to push the knees forward. As you push the knees forward, the hips should not go forward. They should go down a little bit. Then when you I think that's where many people um, struggle. Yes. The, the feeling um, of the knees forward and the hips drop, they really, it's like one of these things that you can go, and I've, I, I mean, I've seen lifters, they're fairly advanced lifters, never, never do that, never, never get that feeling. Now, um, I think one thing that would be good to do would be kind of to go through uh, like a piece by piece of uh, a lifter's anatomy 
and just kind of describe what you think should be going on there during the lifts. Okay. So we kind of talked about uh, the hips. When you pull, I can't, I can do that. When you pull bar off the floor, first off, it should be under control. As I've said before, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to clean this up because I'm going to go, probably go around and around. Um, pull off the floor, it's vitally important that you don't jerk. Everybody wants to jerk. It's the biggest mistake people make for early in the lift. They jerk off the floor. You've got to go slow off the floor. So much so that I think one of the best assistance exercises um, for the snatch is move the bar up, pull the bar like an inch, and pause. Now we talked about this uh, on the assistance exercises when we talked about the pauses, the isometric holds. That's what I'm talking about now. An isometric hold right off the floor. So hold it. Um, we've done this a lot. We've done this a ton in training. Um, but when you're doing it within a lift, we only hold it for like two seconds or three seconds.
material differences. We use John again because we're talking about him. John relies a lot on stretch reflex. You know, he realize, he's not very strong. You know, and he relies a lot on the stretch reflex to execute the ball. If he couldn't have a stretch reflex, he would not be able to snatch very much at all. He's very skilled at utilizing that stretch reflex. Very skilled. He's probably, I, I think John is probably one of the most skilled lifters at utilizing stretch reflex of any lifter I've ever coached. Probably of any lifter, I'm not going to say of anyone I've ever seen, but he has to be at the top top three of anyone I've ever, ever seen. He's extremely skilled at utilizing his stretch reflex, way better than most lifters. Now, uh, continuing the conversation with the uh, the scoop, uh, what are your thoughts on an early double knee bend versus a uh, delayed? Well, that, that's what I'm saying. John has a very late double knee bend. That's kind of what I was getting at. His double knee bend happens dramatically high on the side. Dramatically. He will go 12 inches over the knee. Before he starts to do a double knee bend, before he starts to scoop. So if you watch John lift, you will see that his legs come almost completely straight. He's in what seems to be like a like a stiff like a deadlift position, you know, for a, for a moment during the pull. That will not work for most lifters, but it works for John. Because he's very, very skilled at utilizing stretch reflex, and that is how you get the best stretch reflex. He relies on that amazingly. He does, he does it. He does such an amazing job at that. It's, uh, it's almost beyond belief. So he pushes the knee to a much straighter position than most lifters. Then does it up even lighter than most lifters. Then he times it freaking perfectly. Times it perfectly. And gets so much extra pull out of the double even. It's crazy. It's just crazy. If I could bottle that and teach it, I would. But just talk to a lot of good lifters. Very difficult to teach what they do. They are just able to do things that normal people can't. I don't believe I've ever met anybody else that's able to do that as well as John. I tried to teach it. I you just can't teach it. You just can't teach it. It's something that one person in a million has the ability to do. The ability to do most people don't. That's why they're as good as they are. So in, in general, lifters that rely on the stretch reflex more, like John, are going to do better high double knee bend using the force pull to go farther up the thigh, farther past the knee, than lifters that 
extremely high in the thigh. Place this extremely high. That is indicative of a lifter that has a double, uh, has a good, good stretch reflex. And Donnie does completely the opposite. Travis Cooper does completely the opposite. Travis Cooper is, and Donnie both, they're way stronger, way stronger. But they don't get as much of the double of the structure flex. So, Travis in particular, if Travis and John had a deadlift contest, Travis could pull 100 pounds more than John. Or easily. Or more than 100 pounds, maybe. So, so he's very strong, but yet he doesn't get as much of that reflex as John does. That reflex is why John can, can do a snatch pull just as much weight, get the marks as high as John can. It's, it's just a huge discrepancy, a huge discrepancy. Enables John to have a huge pull on the stance or clean. Prolongs the pull very late in the lift. Does a double knee bend, does a scoop and double knee bend very fast. Gets the out of it. But he does it very well. He doesn't move his hips forward, he moves his hips slightly down. He's just very skilled with that. He's just very skilled with that. I don't know that anybody ever tried to do that. I think he just picked it up naturally. So one of those times, if you can do it naturally, that's great. If you can't, you're probably not going to be able to do it.
position. It starts as high as you can make it start. I am very much in favor of second pole starting as high as possible, being as possible. One second won't take three inches, four inches from my six inches. You don't want that. You want to make this your second pole as short, explosive as possible. Second pole is not a long drawn out thing. First pole is a long drawn out thing. First pole, you're moving about up to the second pole. That's the main the main thing in the first pole is you got to get from the floor to the second pole position in as good a position as possible. That is the main purpose in the first pole. You just want to get the bar up to where you actually get the second pole with as good a position as possible. That's what you're doing during the first pull. Once you're in position, you have a search reflex, you execute the double aiming correctly. At that point, you explode. In the bar. Does that make sense? Yeah. 